Thank you. So we've been talking about um, James. We dealt with, we, the Holy Spirit took us through James 1 to 8. And now we're going to from verse 9, verse 9, all the way to 18. I pray we'll finish. If you don't, it's okay. We're not in a rush. It's Bible study. So I read from verse 9. Say, believers who are, who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and this, the grass withers, and the little flower droops and falls, and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all their achievements. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptations. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, don't say God is tempting you. Don't say God is tempting you. God is never, God is never tempted to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from, your, from our own desires, which entice us and drag us down. Drag us away, sorry. Since these desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is, is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. 16. So don't be misled, my brothers, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. and He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. So this is the word. You know, when you read this, I, I, always, I always encourage all of us, and even me, to look at different translations to get a better meaning or better understanding. I also ask the Holy Spirit to kind of reveal, reveal what he's really saying. But before we go and dive into today's teaching, I want us to just quickly do a recap. You know, we, we went through verse, verse 1 to 8, you know, and there we're discussing how, how Christians say we should count it all joy when we go through troubles. And the Holy Spirit says, you know, that's not correct. You know, it's so, it's not, that's not what it's supposed to be. Sometimes we read we, we, take, we take the scripture and we don't ask for understanding. And, and that's where the trouble was. And that's where the trouble is, whereby we don't ask for understanding and we, we take it out of context. So it's not realistic to be excited when you're going through issues of life. It's not, it's not easy to be super excited. You know, sometimes you have your low points and you have your high points. 
you know, it's it's not an exciting thing to go through any kind of bankruptcy, for instance. You know, I hear people when they say they went through bankruptcy. It's not it's not an easy thing, not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing to go through, you know, where you have loved ones that have COVID. <clears throat> it's not an easy thing at all. You know, it's not an easy thing at all to, to go through it and with a smile on your face, you know, counting it all joy. However, you know, during these sorts of problems, we have an opportunity to go to God, who is the giver, who, who gives generously. Sorry. I'm so sorry. This is it. Oh, that's it. okay. Sorry about that. So, like I was saying, however, you know, during such, during the times, times of trying, trying times, it's an opportunity for us to go to God, who is a giver, who gives us generously, who gives us wisdom to, you know, in order to, to go through life. Grandma, please mute your if your listeners feedback. And who gives us who gives us wisdom to you know to go through? He gives us wisdom so that we can exercise those that wisdom. And as we exercise the wisdom, that's why I always pray that God help me to be a doer of your word. He gives us the ability, to, you know, to he gives us the wisdom, and he doesn't just give you wisdom, he gives you wisdom so that you can exercise it. You can exercise that wisdom, you could be a doer of that, you know, of what he's told you to do, you know. Then, you know, we also talked about whereby we, we have need of patience. We have need of patience so that God can walk, do his perfect work in us, in us, for us, and through us. And when we go through such situations, we need to learn to trust God and not trust in the world or in our ability, or in someone else. Let's go to Philippians 3.3. 3. I, uh, when I was uh, looking at my, my phone, my laptop, to cleaning out, because I was wondering why, why my laptop was, has been very slow. I then remember that I have this paid app on my, on my, um, my laptop, I was like, well, how come I have not been using this? How come I have not been using it? I said, let me use it now. This should, instead of going online, maybe there was some kind of thing going on. But praise the Lord. The Lord says, ah, why don't you use this one? I said, okay, I should try it. Let's see how it goes. It seems working. So we're going to Philippians 3, verse 3. It says, verse 3, starting from here. It says, for we who worship Say, for we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. Look at where I'm going. We put no confidence in human effort. You say, though I could, I could have the confidence in my own efforts, if anyone could, because he's trying to say, because I, 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 you know, I have this resume. It was, Paul was giving his resume 
look, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't want to go through all that, but he was giving his resume then, look, I've been, I've been circumcised since when I was eight years old, but I don't trust in my own effort. I trust in what? In the, in the spirit of God, I trust in God to help me, to walk through me. You know, there's, there's, this reminds me of a story, of a story that, that um, someone told me recently. You know, someone told me this story recently. And it's, you know, the person is telling me the story. And as the person is telling me the story, I, I'm getting understanding of the story. And the thing really it thrills me, makes me very excited. You know, and it's a story like this. You know, a new pilot. You know, I heard that, um, like, United is, they have pilot school now. Excuse me, because they have a shortage of pilots. So, you know, it is the person was just telling me a story, and I was thinking about that, and also thinking about what the person was telling me. It's a story of a new pilot who, you know, for the sake of what I was just saying about United, who just graduated from, from United School of Pilots, Pilot School, you know, and his, 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 last, his last task or yeah, task to fully be a qualified pilot was to fly from the East Coast to the West Coast, you know, from maybe New Jersey to California, or you know, just like that. So when the when the pilot was about to take off, it was a she. When she, the, when she was about to take off, the air co- traffic controller gave her gave her instructions. I say, you need to stay on this path. This path was for what? Small planes, because you are a small plane, you're a twin engine. You, you, need, to, you need to be on this path. So she, she took their, because they know they are, they are the tower, they know. So she took the advice and she stayed on the what? On that path. So after a few hours of being on that path, she didn't hear from the air traffic controller. So she was thinking, am I on the right path? Maybe I'm on the wrong path. She started to second guess herself. So she decided, you know what? I'm gonna trust in my human wisdom. (laughs) I'm gonna trust in my ability. I'm gonna trust in what? Myself. So she decided, okay, I'm gonna veer away from the path that you've given her, veer away from that. And as soon as she went to that wrong path or to the path that she thought was correct, the air traffic controller came up and says, ma'am, you're on the wrong place. That, pl- that path you're taking is for jumbo jets, big, huge airlines, big, huge planes. You're on the wrong airspace. He says, if you stay on that wrong airspace, the, the jets, the, the, the big planes, the, the, the engines will blow you and you'll be killed instantly. So you better go back on the right path. You better go back on the right path and stay there. So she was asking them, said, well, how come, how come you, didn't, you didn't talk to me? How come you weren't guiding me? He says, no, if you're on the right path, we guide, we guide you when you take off. And when you're about to land, we don't talk because you're on the right path. You're on the right path. So that's why we're going to talk if you're on the right path. And you know, it's funny because that's, 
you know, when the person was telling me, that's exactly what we sometimes we, 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 we sometimes do. When we don't hear from God, we think we're on the wrong path. We take off, you know, we're going through the journey of life. You know, we don't hear from God. So we think we're on the wrong path. We think, you know, that, you know, this is not working. This is, how come things, you're pinching yourself. How come, you know, God, you're not speaking to me. You're not telling me anything. Am I on the wrong path? Before you know it, you start to second guess yourself. Before you know it, you decide now, take it upon yourself to say, you know what? God, you don't want to tell God. You say, you take it upon yourself. Say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> then you go and do your own thing. And that your own thing is the wrong thing. It's a completely wrong thing. Because what you depended on what? Your human ability, your, your, your strength, your physical. And it's, it amounts to nothing. It amounts to nothing. And that's why he says, that's why that what we're teaching was you go to God. You go to when you're going through the situation, you go to God. Don't try your own ability. Your ability is worthless. And sometimes, yes, we don't know that we don't we don't think God is working. You know, God is working. But Jesus said in John, John 5:17. Uh, let's pull it up. John 5:17. John 5, John 5, 17, he says what? Jesus says, John 5, 17, he says, but Jesus replied, my father is working and so am I. So Jesus, God is still working. He's always working. He's always working. You know, sometimes, honestly, I'll be honest with you, sometimes we think he's not. Sometimes you think it's not. You know, when situations happen in your life, you start to wonder, God, are you, are you still there? Are you still there? How, how come you allow this thing to happen to me? How come you allow such a thing to happen? I'll give you, I'll give you this example. You know, we, I, we, you know, it wasn't, we, we had this car and, you know, I wasn't driving as often. Then, you know, then I started driving it to work and, you know, all that. Then before I knew it, I was behind a, 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 um, a semi. And the semi-truck spat out stones, you know, you know that's what they do. And the, the thing came and dinged the, the um, windshield. Hey, I was upset. I was so, I was, I was so upset. I said, oh my goodness, I'm going to not pay the deductible. I'm going to... Oh. The things that were going through my mind, I was like, oh my goodness, why? Why, Lord? You know, so I was in a foul mood. I was such in a foul mood. Then I went to I went to church and I had to teach Sunday school. And I was I was still in a foul mood. <laughs> I was not happy because I was like, now nah, I'm gonna pay the doctor. And it wasn't like a, a quarter size, it was, it was a big, huge spot. <sighs> So, you know, so while I was, while I was um, trying to teach uh, Sunday, Sunday school, one of the, the Sunday school, uh, my students, uh, Sister Grace, she asked me, what's wrong with you, Pastor Chuka? You're not your choppy self. <sighs> so I started to describe the ding on the, uh, on the windshield. And she now said to me, you see, you're very lucky. That it was just 
the glass. He says, I've seen people whereby the huge stone rams into the windshield and you lose control and you, you get into the other, the other side of the road and die. <laughs> you know, she brought a different perspective. She brought a different perspective, a different view of life. She says, cheer up, Pastor Chuka, cheer up. I said, that's true. You know, sometimes we, we look at our, our when we're going through situation with this tunnel vision that, but why me, Lord? You know, I give, I, I sow into your kingdom. I teach, I do all these things. God, why is trouble going to come to me? Why is trouble going to ever come? But you know, we need to put things into what? Perspective. We need to look at things in, in a perspective that, that look, you know what? We need to what? Always know that God has your back. He, know, he has your back. He has your, your front. He wants the best for you and I. And that's the truth. You know, I looked at it in a very, you know, looking at it like, oh man, I'm going to pay all this amount of money. But you know what? In the end, I paid that amount of money, but it gave me a new windshield. I got a brand new windshield. I, it was brand new. So, you know, the thing is, that's what, and in the end, what happens? That's the joy. That's the that's, that's where you, you get this joy, that satisfaction. You start saying, wow, even though I went through this situation, in the end, God really guided me through it. God really, you know, you're going through a situation now, you say, start saying, but God, why? You know, it could have been worse. It could have been worse. So the key, the, that's, that's, that's just that, Let's we just do we did a quick recap and let's go let's go to let's go to what what we're teaching today, what we're going through today. And that's verse nine. You know we looked at that. Let's look at it. James one. James one. Nine. Okay, it says believers who are poor. Who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and grass withers. The little flowers droops and falls, and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all their achievements. You know, when you, when you look at when you look at this aspect, it, it, you see how the Bible is. The Bible is very interesting. It, 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 it tell James is talking about is talking directly to believers, and now he now says, "I'm going to put believers in two categories: one poor and one rich. And the poor has nothing. In the sense of only thing he has is I'm going to just depend on God." I'm going to be totally dependent on God. And, I'm, and, and you know, when you're totally dependent on God, it means you're honoring God. It's like, you know, God, I, 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 res I respect you. So you know what? I have to come to you. I have nothing. 
I have nothing to, it's not as if I have money or I'm in sense of the, the poor. They have nothing. God is looking for someone who's committed to him, who will go to him each time they have issues, who will go to him even though they don't have issues of life, but they always go to him. Someone who honor him no matter their, no matter the circumstances they're going through. But the rich, on the other hand, sometimes, you know, there's a dependent, there's a struggle. There's a struggle and there's a dependent on themselves. I'm not saying every rich person, but there's a struggle. The rich should not depend on their own strength. We just talked about being dependent on your own strength, but ultimately depending on God alone. And that's what God is. That's why the category, he says, no matter what, you need to, regardless of whether you're rich or poor, your dependence should be on, on, who? on God. Let's look at this. Let's look at this, this parable. Luke 16, Luke 12. Luke 12, Sixteen to twenty-one. Sixteen to twenty-one. It says, "Then he told a story. A rich man had a, a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? What should I do? Look at what look at what he did. Look at look at it. He said to himself." himself what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I will have enough room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I will sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have stored enough away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who would get, say who will get everything you've worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. You see how this man, that's why I kept on emphasizing I. How many eyes were there? I had to count it. The Lord was asking me, how many eyes were there? I did, I would, I will, I will. There were six eyes. I will do this, I will do that. That's the rich man. He's saying, this is what I'm going to do. He's depending on his own what? Ability. He will do this, he will do that. See, the rich man feels that he has, the, he has the wealth and because he has the wealth, he has the intelligence and the, you know, the, the wealth, his intelligence brought the wealth. You know, and he forgets that it is God that gives what? Gives the power, he gives, him the, he gives all of us the power to make wealth. God gave him the ability, the knowledge, the, the, the ability to what? To come become that wealthy. And with him in his mind, God was not in the picture. 
God was not in the mix. He was not in the equation. But he and him alone was in the equation. And, and that's why, that's when we looked at that, Luke, Luke 12, 21, it says, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but, have, but not have a rich relationship with God. And that's, that's the struggle that sometimes we have. I remember I was telling my mom, I was telling my mom how, you know, when I went, before I graduated from, from, from Rutgers and I landed a job, I landed a job and they gave me sign-up bonus. You know, I was like living on cloud nine, thinking, man, I'm an invisible man. I'm like, well, are you kidding me? A young man, <laughs> I was, I'm not saying I'm old now, I'm just, I was younger then, you know, and I was like, you know, I was telling somebody, I said, what, what can't money buy? Until I now got in trouble. Not, not trouble like trouble, but until now, it, troubles of life flowed my way. And then I was depending on the money to get me out, but the money could, could do nothing. It had, had zero ability to do it, to solve the problem. Until somebody now told me, one of our, our was somebody that lived in the same complex, another Nigerian lady, and she now introduced me to Jesus. He says, you need to go to Jesus. Jesus will solve your problem. Say, go to Jesus. Jesus will solve your problem. And that's, that's, the, most important, that's the most important thing here. Depending on who? On the Lord. Now, let's look at something that, it's, that sometimes when you read this, it might be missed. In James, James 1, 11. When you read it, it might be missed. Right here. It says the hot sun rises and the grass withers and little flowers droops and falls and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all their achievements. You know, this right here, when you read it, the Lord was saying, you know, this analogy is super correct. You know, because the whole analogy of whereby the hot sun will come and the, the grass, you know, gets withered away. You know, it reminded me that, that, that um, that sentence reminded me of the time I used to mow the lawn. And, you know, I used to mow the lawn and <laughs> I was a little bit on the lazy side. Now, I won't say lazy, but I, I, I decided maybe I should, maybe you call it lazy because I decided, you know what, I want a shortcut. Yeah, that's maybe not lazy, but the shortcut. I decided to cut the thing very low, the grass very low, because if I cut the grass very low, you know, so I won't do it the next week because I got tired of doing it every week. Every you know, every week you have to come out from work and you, you jump on you, before you even eat dinner. You jump on the, the the tractor. You do the the lawn and you know you come back. I'm like, man, this is too much. It's too much of a hassle, you know. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to cut the grass very low. 
you know, not knowing that when you cut the grass very low and the hot sun comes, it hits the grass and scorches the grass. It's like, it's like the, the, there's, the grass turns from green to brown. The grass turns from green to brown. So I had to go and, you know, when that happened, I had to go and get a landscaper to, to help put fertilizer so this thing can change back to, to what it's supposed to be. When a rich person is at their lowest, would they still trust his ability? The question is, it's to us too. When we are at our lowest, we wish, can we still trust God? When situation changes, can we still trust God? When situations turn from good to bad, do we, can we still trust God? That's why it says when the flower droops and falls and the beauty fades away, would you still trust God? You know, it, Another thought that came to you know when when I was reading and re reading that that um, verse, and I was I was typing, and the Lord the Holy Spirit was you know telling me what to write. The, the thought that dropped in my heart was when He says the beauty fades away. If you're married, and when you're married, when you're married or you, if you're married, and your wife she looked very you know beautiful when she was young. I'm not saying she's not beautiful now, but she looked, you know, beautiful when she was young, and now she's getting older. Would you still love her? <laughs> I don't know why. Why is the only thing that kind of dropped dropped it in my heart? Like, would you still love her? Would you still trust God that God, this is the woman that you gave me, or this is the man that you gave me? Don't forget, like I said, this is referring to believers, non-believers. When rich believers gather wealth, will they still trust God through thick and thin, through ups and downs, through disappointments? Are we still going to be grounded and say, no matter what, I'm not going to be moved? Yes, you have lows. Yes. It's not every time you're going to be all smiley, smiley, but Yes, you have lows. But in your low ground, would you still trust God? The key is that we need to be grounded in the ways of, of God. We need to know that God solely wants our relationship. And nothing more. He wants, our, he wants that relationship. Let's look at this scripture, Matthew 6, 24. Matthew 6, 24 says, no one can, can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So you see that over here, it says money too is a master. Money can control you. Money can control the way you think, the way you, your actions, the, the way you perceive things. Money can control. It can. He has the ability to control you. 
He has the ability to motivate you. You know, I know one time when we when we in our in in the parent church before we we came over here to plant this church, you know, and the pastor was saying how, you know, people nurses nurses that you know they they work they 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 are nurses, but when it comes to Sunday service or Bible study, they'll be taking double shift. They are motivated by money. He says, he's not saying that you shouldn't do double shift. But why do you have to do a double shift on Sunday or on Thursday when there's church service? We need to put priorities. We need to put priorities in place. You know, it's funny why, why, why this happened, this, when this happened. In the same vein, I too used to, used to schedule dentist appointments on the day they have men's ministry. And one day the pastor called me, that was before I became a pastor. The pastor called me and says, Brother Chuka, I don't see you in men's retreat, men's meetings. What happened? How come you're not coming? I said, I have dentist appointment. He said, but why are you scheduling a dentist appointment when we're having men's meetings? He says, you're doing something that is good at the wrong time. And, you know, and that's what happens to us. We, 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 put, we, put, we put God at the bottom of our shoe and raise every other thing up. And that's not what it's supposed to be. We are supposed to put what? Uh, we're supposed to do what? Allow God to guide us all the time. We also, we have to put, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It is, it's only God that will take care of us. It's only God. And it's, it's, this is, look at, look at, let's look at Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy 8, verse 8, 8, 18. Uh, let's go down to 8, 18. It says, remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. It is him that gives you the ideas. It's him that gives you, gives you the ability to be successful. It's him. It's, it's him that gives you the ideas. The power we're talking about is he gives you the physical strength. He gives you the emotional strength. He gives you the wisdom. He gives you uncommon wisdom. Ideas that you'll be like, where did this come from? This idea, wow, it's amazing. He gives you ideas to make wealth. I just heard of, of this story of a woman, you know, that she has six children. And they, they, one day the husband just picked up and said, I'm not doing anymore. I'm not marrying you any longer. And he left. He was the bread, only sole breadwinner because she was taking care of his six children. So they were, they were broke. She was completely broke. And she came to the church and the church helped her. 
And not only that they supported her, they gave her money to start small business. So she herself, she was thinking, okay, what kind of business should I do? What sort of business should I, should I embark in? And the Holy Spirit is so faithful, gave her a wonderful business idea. Very unique. Told her how to, to go and set up shop and start to sell food for all those people that go to nightclubs at night and come back and they're hungry. She set up a small business in this pandemic. And now she's a very unique idea. And now she's what? She's making money and she's taking care of her family. And she has time to go to church. And she has time to focus on, on the Lord. When we focus on God, he gives us unique ideas, uncommon wisdom, things that is like is out of this world. Wow, I never really saw it that way. And that's, that's the most important thing. And look at this. We have a few minutes. Let's look at James. James 1. Who was this James? James 1, go down to 12 to 15. It says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will receive a crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. He never tempts anyone. Temptation comes from our desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, they give birth to what? It gives birth to death. So I had to read that because it's something that I've, I've heard so many times that, that, you know, we hear, you know, let's, read it, let's look at, we, we hear this, whereby, you know, we hear that, oh, it's God that is, he said, it's God that is, is, uh, is, is tempting me. But before I even talk about this whole thing, he says, God blesses those who patiently endure tempting and temptation because what? They will receive a crown of life, a crown of life. Let's look at uh, this. This kind of life is mentioned in, in Revelation two ten. Revelation two ten. Revelation two ten says, "Do not starting from here. Do not be afraid of what you're you are about to suffer. The devil will throw." some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for 10 days. And if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you a crown of life. So a crown of life is when you've gone through trials, when you've gone through tribulations, there's a crown of life waiting for you. There's a crown of life that is waiting for you when you go to heaven. 
You know, the Lord was, the way the Lord described it to me was, you know, you see people that run, these marathon runners, you know, they have a reward for running a marathon. You run a marathon, you get a reward. That's a task, task reward system. The Lord is saying here, is it, this is also a task reward system. The crown of life is not an eternal, it's not, you know, because when you, people, people read this, it's like crown of life is, is, is like eternal life. It's not, it doesn't, it's not talking about eternal life because eternal life is what? Is a free gift. It's a free gift. But what we're talking about is, we're talking about when you're going through trials, there's a price that God is going to give us. Because, you know, and these trials you're going through, we're still talking about the same thing. You go through trials, you depend on God to guide you through this. The devil throws you, the, the kitchen sink, he throws you everything in the world. But the key is that you're still depending on God. God, he says, because you depend on me, I'm going to give you a reward. And the reward is a crown of life. And this kind of life is not that you will never die. Is when you come to when you come to what when you come to, to heaven, when you go home to be with the Lord, He gives you a crown of life because what you endured the testings, the trials, what, everything that the, the devil tried to throw throw at you, you endured it, you went through it, you blazed through it. God helping you, you went through it, you conquered, and He says, "Wow." This is what is your identity. Your identity, I'm giving you a crown of life. Saying, this is what you have gone through. You've gone through it. I'm rewarding you for it. Tasks. The tasks were, were fulfilled, and now reward follows. It's more of an encouragement. God is saying, I'm, I'm encouraging you. You went through this, these things that he did to you, the enemy did to you. You're going to get a crown of life. And that's, it's, it's, it's important. For me, it's, for me, it's encouraging. And why I say for me, it's encouraging is that it means that I shouldn't give up. It makes you, it makes you, it's like, I'm going to get a crown of life. So I have to be excited. I need to, I, I cannot give up. I cannot throw in the tower because you know what? At the end, I'm going to get a crown of life. It's a, for me, it's, it's something that, you don't, it's not something that you, you won't just throw in the towel. You know what, this, this situation is getting so difficult. I'm going to just throw in the towel. Look, you know, I, it, it really pained me when I heard about this, this Miss, Miss, um, Miss, um, Miss US, this, this celebrity lady that, you know, that jumped to her death it was so tragic. It, it, it was like, I don't know whether she's a believer or unbeliever, but it's 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 something that I was like, wow. There was no note at all. She says, just give the belong my belongings to my mother. I, I, I was like, that mother will be will be so disheartened. She'll be she'll be cringing, like, oh my goodness, what would have what what would have pushed you to do such a thing? Situations happen, that's what pushes human beings to do wild things. But for us, we have God on our side. We have God that's always there for us. 
And that's why unbelievers, what happened? Because they don't have a way out. We have a way out. We have God. We have Christ. That's our way out. But an unbeliever doesn't have any way out. So that's why they depend on drugs, alcohol, money, you know, to numb the pain, reduce their, their pain, reduce all the kind of anxiety. And when all fails, because it's the arm of flesh, because it's, it's your, your ability, all, all those things will fail. It won't, it won't, it won't, it won't help you. It won't. And then the result results to the next best thing. Look, I'm not condemning the lady, but I'm just saying that, the, you know, these things happen. Situations, do, do, they do happen. And that's why, you know, last, last this past prayer meeting, I, I encouraged us in the prayer meeting, I said, we need to pray for mental health in this, in this nation. Mental health is, is, is so... Is something that we need to always pray for. We need to pray that God intervenes. Mental health. Because the enemy throws, he throws it, and he keeps on throwing. He, he says, he'll throw one, he'll throw another, throw, 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 throw. Just why? Because he wants you to do what? Give up, give in. Say, I can't do it any longer. And that's why it's extremely important for us to pray for mental health. People that are going through this. And lots of, lots of people are going through this. But you know, one thing I want to, I want to quickly discuss before we, before we round up. Uh, I think we're about to round up. I want to discuss before we round up is, is that I've heard, you know, as a pastor, you hear a lot of things. And, and like I said, like you know, I said in, in service one time, I said there's some things I, 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 you know, I get vexed in my spirit, and I, I have to talk about and correct them. I know some things I just say it's okay, that, you know, maybe this person is not ready to hear. It. I feel that I, you know, you feel that this person is not ready to hear, so you don't even say anything until one day the Lord kind of urges you on and say, okay, I'm going to talk about it. But as from, this is very important thing that the Holy Spirit was was saying. You know, because I've heard people saying it. I've heard people saying that, you know, what God, this lady was saying, you know, in our Bible study one time at, at, at work. And she says, you know, I was too busy to hear from God. So God broke my leg so that I can, I can turn back to him. I say, really? God will break your leg? You say, God, he disciplines us now. God disciplines us, and because he deeply disciplines us, he inflicts us with sickness and illness. I say, really? <laughs> I don't think they read that revelations that we just read, that the enemy is the one behind, behind all these things. And that's why the Lord, the Lord went and says, in that James 1, 13, says, I'm not the one that is tempting you. There's no evil in me. I'm not the one that is tempting you. Our earthly parents want the best for us. They want the, they always want the best for us. Can you imagine if our earthly parents want the best for us? Why would our heavenly father now want to break our leg to get our attention? Would our, would our, earthly, our earthly parents, would they break our leg to get 
our intention. No. So God, God is saying, God is saying, I will not do that. You know, the, 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 the whole discipline, we've, 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 we've taken it to a different, different uh, league. That, oh God, we will inflict us with pain. You know, you inflict us with pain in order to, in order to get, uh, you know, to, to, to get our attention. I say, really? It's not, we're in a fallen world. That's the thing, we're in a fallen world. Afflictions will come. You know, bef- bef- during the time of Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, they had everything. But when the, 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 the man fell from, the, from grace, what happened? Every other thing came in, he rolled in. And that's why the, the, the devil is the God of this world. And because he's the God of this world, he's the one that's controlling this world. So situations happen. You know, the Bible says rain falls on everybody. Rain falls on everybody. It means that all of us will go through situations. All of us will go through situations. But in that situation, do we make it a point of duty to say, I'm going back to God? That's the key. Do we say, I'm going to make it a point, is, is something, even with that situation, I'm still going to still trust God. I'm still going to allow God to hold. I'm going to hold on to God. I'm still going to draw near to him. James says, you know, uh, James says, you draw near to me. You draw near to God, God draws near to you. Our Heavenly Father wants the best for us. He's a generous God. He says, if you lack wisdom, ask, I'll give you, because I'm a generous God, I'll give it to you. Look at this um, Ephesians, Ephesians 3. It says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work. So I'm going. It says, now God, now, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might Ask or think. He accomplished infinitely more than we can ask or think. This is God we're dealing with here. He wants, he wants the ultimate best for us. All we need to do is to look, I, I, what I'm trying to tell you is, is a conscious thing. Look, I'm telling you something that is happening. It happens to me. It's happening to me. You need to consciously say, I'm going to, there's a, there's a, the devil always puts a blockade. He always puts something, always throws all kinds of things at you. You need to decide, I'm going to barrel through. You need to decide, this thing will not stop me from knowing God. You need to battle through. You need to say, no, devil, you're not going to stop me from knowing God. I'm going to battle through. And you just keep battling through. 
you make an effort. You look, there are some times that you don't want to read the Bible. Let's be honest. But you are you you struggle, man. You pick it up. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to read. Nothing is going to stop me from reading this Bible. I'm tired. Yes, you know. There's sometimes I'm so tired I can't. I just leave it. It's okay. Tomorrow morning I'll battle through. Tomorrow morning I force myself. When I get up, before I even before I even brush my teeth or anything, in bed, I read the Bible. I say I'm reading this Bible today. I tell the devil, look at me, watch me. I say, watch me. I'm reading this Bible today. I'm reading you. And I read it. We need to battle through because the enemy is trying to look. It, it reminds me of this. This is the way I look at it. You know, it's like somebody is holding your hands. Holding your hands, saying, No, you can't do it. And you're like, No, I'm going to do it by all means. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. No, you can't. And you force yourself to do it in spite of the fact that you don't want to do it. In spite of the fact your body is saying, no, you can't. In spite of the fact that nah, everything is against you, I'm going to do what? Go to God. I'm going to God. I am. I, this trials is not going to stop me from going to God. I'm going to go to him. It is him. Because it's him. I can trust him. It's him. I can go to him for wisdom. He will give you more than you can even give. More than you can even think or imagine. It's him that takes care of us all. It's him. It's him. More than you can think or imagine. It's him. I'm telling you, it's him. It's him. Whereby people think about it, you know, you think about it like whereby, you know, you see somebody that is going through Somebody might have you, you, you and somebody might have COVID, for instance, and and that other person is in hospital and you are in at how at home. You're you're fine. It's him. It's him. It's him. Don't get me wrong. It's not what you do that is moving God. It is his mercy. What I'm trying to say is that we have an obligation. We have an obligation to say, I'm going to battle through. I'm going to battle through because I, it's only God. I have no, I have no other person. I have no other person but you. I have, I can do nothing except you helping me. I have no one. And it is Him that perfects everything that concerns you. It is Him. So I just had to go there for a second, but going back to this. Ephesians 3.20, where it says, All glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or imagine, ask or think. It is God. We can go to him, and when we go to him, he's not going to, he's, you know, he's not going to say, who are you coming to talk to? Don't come and talk to me. Uh, why are you talking? No, he's, he wants, he wants, he wants to give us... He, you know, King James says he gives us gives gives us wisdom liberally, liberally. He gives it to you. He he gives you. I 
And that's what our God is. He's, he's not going to break your leg. He's not going to inflict you with sickness because you didn't come to him for almost one week. And you didn't come to me one week. Eh? You haven't come to even pray or ask or anything. You know what? I'm going to inflict you with sickness so you can come to me. Oh, yeah. Man, that's a wicked God. Hey, that's a very wicked God. If you ever, if God is like that, he's wicked. It means you can't, he's not to be trusted. He's not, he's not a trustworthy God. If he's the one that will come and inflict you with sickness. Oh my goodness. That's why I hear preachers, oh, God is inflicting you with sickness. Oh yeah, that your God is a wicked God. My God will not inflict me with sickness. It is the devil that brings sickness. It is not God giving you sickness. But when you ask, when you, when you speak to him, he goes far beyond. He takes care of what you think. The thing you're asking for, he'll give you, Jara. He'll give you a little bit. He'll give you more than you can even think about. That's God for you. Now, I'll give you these two examples and I'll close. There was a time that when we, you know, I think I've shared this before, but I'll share it again. There was a time that whereby we, we, we bought this car. You know, we bought this car. You know, I went to the dealer. I didn't really like the car. My heart wasn't in the car. But the dealer guy convinced me, say, it's a nice car. Is this? I said, okay, maybe this car is good. Maybe I didn't. Because me, I don't like to test drive cars. I don't. That's my own. People always say, you must test. I don't like to test drive cars because I don't want to get hooked on the car. So I don't like to test drive a car. So, and I bought this. We bought this car. My wife and I, we bought this car. This is a Sudan. We bought the car. We bought it on a Friday. So that Friday, I didn't go to work. No, no, was it Friday? No, we bought it on Thursday. We bought it on Thursday. So Friday, I was working from home. You know, this is before COVID. So I was working from home on Friday. So Friday, we didn't take the car anywhere. Saturday, I went to the store with David. And the way David was, my hand was, we were very, very close together. I couldn't even, if I, when, when I sat down, there was nobody, nobody could sit behind me. I said, okay, I'm not saying this guy is this one. I was telling my wife, I said, this guy is, man, I'm going, God, you need to help me. This guy is horrible. So my wife says, it's not that bad. I said, you drive it. So on Sunday, she drove it. She went to the store. Good, good enough thing that day, that Sunday, there was no onion in the house. <laughs> Thank God there was no onion in the house. So she went to buy onion. I said, I'm not going. You drive the car and go and buy onion. So she went to buy onion. So she went and bought the onion. She came back. She said, Whoa, this guy is here. Uh, there's something wrong with this guy. This guy is not good at all. I said, That's why I was feeling so terrible. Why did I go and buy this kind of car? How am I going to get out of this? So I went to God. You see, the thing is, in any circumstance, you need to go to God. God has the answer. I went to God in prayer. I said, God, you need to help me out this car. I didn't want this car. But okay, I bought the car. You need to help me. You need to help us so that we can return this car. I know it's never been, it's never been done. It's never been, never happened. I need to return this car. I heard it. The Lord spoke. He says, call them to, on Monday morning and return the car. I said, really? He said, that's it. I said, okay. You know, that Sunday, I could, I, I hardly slept. 
because I was thinking, oh my man, what will happen? Then finally, I just say, you know what, forget it. There's no point keeping awake till like one o'clock. I beg, I'm going to go and sleep. So I slept, woke up Monday morning, and I picked up the phone about 10 o'clock. That's when it opened. Hello, Green Green. Hey, Raj. This guy you guys sold me, I don't like it. I need, a, I need an SUV, not a Sudan. You know? And I was, try, I was being very cool-headed, not like trying to work on a car. I said, look, anything you guys could do for me, I'll be very grateful. He said, okay, give me, give me 10 minutes. I'll, hold on for 10 minutes. I'll, I'll call you back. It's okay, 10 minutes. So within 10 minutes, the guy came back. He says, okay, look, I spoke to the owner of the car, owner of the dealership. He says, if you can come by 11 o'clock, we switch you into a new car, into a, in an SUV. We take the car, switch you into an SUV. I said, wonderful, that's great, awesome. I'll be there, you don't have to wait till 11 o'clock. I'll be there in 10 minutes. I sent an email to my boss, look, I'm gonna be working from home. He said, okay, no problem. So I was working from dealership, took my laptop, went to the dealership, I was working with internet. I had internet, so why not? So I walked from the dealership. But after a while, I had to sign off and say that I'm gonna take the day off, there's no point. Let me take care of this. But what then happened was, they switched me into, they switched us into, well, I mean me, but I was the one, because they even told me to go and take the car, to go and show my wife, to make sure my wife, <laughs> make sure my wife was good with it. So they switched us into an SUV. But that, it didn't stop there. I, that's the thing I'm just trying to explain to us. It didn't stop there. The man also now gave us over like maybe two, 25 or 3, $2,500 more off. He gave us $2,500 off of the SUV. This is what God does. And the guy, and I went back to the, to the man, I said, Look, I, I, I'm not at work anymore. I did a half day. I just said, look, I'm, I'm not at work anymore, but I want to say thank you for really taking care of You see, you know, see, since this dealership started, they've never done such a thing before. But it's our God who convinces people. He said the heart of the king is in his hands. It is God that does awesome things for his own children. They've never done it before in, their, in, the, in the history of the dealership, but they did it for you. They did it for me. God does awesome things for you and I. So why would he now break your leg? Because he wants your attention. He says, whenever you, you're, you're ready to give me attention, give me attention. I'm not gonna break your leg so you can get the attention. And that's a very wicked God, completely wicked. My, our God is not wicked. He's a loving God. He wants the best for you, and I. And that's one thing we need to understand. And, and it goes to the next, let me just finish this one, then we're done. And this is what I want to just finish off here. In this James, in this James one, James, where is that Hebrew? James one, over here. 
He said, whatever is good, whatever is good and perfect, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all lights in heaven. Look at what he says. He never changes or casts, changes or casts a shifting shadow. He never changes his mind about us. What he does for us is a gift. Is is a perfect. He just wants the best. It's a gift. It is through his mercy, his love. He's giving us not as if we, want, we have to pay back. But when when he gives, he doesn't change. He doesn't say, well, "What did I give to this person? This ungrateful human being, or this?" No, he gives it to you because of his love. He's not changing his mind. He's not recanting like, man, see, oh, I shouldn't have given to this, this ungrateful human. No, he's not even thinking about, he's just saying, this is my love. I love you. So I want to give you the best. Praise the Lord. Next week, we'll, we'll continue and finish. We'll finish. Next week, we'll go from 19 to, to 27. Praise the Lord. All right. Then at the end, I will now, normally, normally what will happen, I'll go from 19 to 27, and in the end, we'll talk about the entire chapter, what we understood by the entire chapter. Then we'll go through the entire James. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let us, let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just give you glory. Thank you for teaching us your word today. Telling us and reassuring us that you're reassuring us that you love us with an everlasting love. You're telling us to always depend on you. No matter what situations, no matter what it is, you have the way out. You know the way out. And that song says, the Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is to trust you, to obey you, to allow you to guide us. Allow, you want us to depend on you. Because you know the way through this wilderness. We don't know it. We've never been through 2022. We've never been through when situations occur. We've never been through it. You want us to depend on you. No matter what. No matter the situation. No matter the time, whether we're in the valley or up on the mountain. Whether we're in, the, whether we're in fire or we're out of fire. You want us to battle through and trust you to depend on you, no matter what it is, to always trust, trust, trust and obey, for there's no other way to trust you, to depend on you. Sometimes, yes, situations could be difficult. You start to wonder, God, why? But, you know, instead of saying why, Lord, I'm still going to trust you in the midst of this struggle. I'm still going to trust you in the midst of what I'm going through. I'm still going to trust you because it could be worse. It could be worse, but it's not. It's not. All I know is to trust you. So, Father Lord, help us to realize this. I know we are busy. We're busy. Yes, we're busy. We're all busy. But help us to know coming to hear the word is important. Because that's what energizes us. 
That's what guides us. It's not, we can't just depend on the old anointing. We can't depend on Sunday to last all the way, all the way to next Sunday. You can't depend, you can't just keep eating rice all the time. We need to eat some variety foods. We eat rice, we eat yam, we eat potato, we eat all this. These are the things that, yes, is good for us. So you've given us Bible study so that we can come and come and hear your word for encouragement to guide us. Because the enemy, the, the thing about the enemy, the enemy is always lurking. It's always lurking. He's always, he's, you never know where he's going to be, where he's going to, where he's going to hide. <laughs> he, he's always on, he's, he's always looking to, he's seeking to whom, to whom he will devour. He's always hiding somewhere. You never know where he's going to strike. That's why you brought Thursday service. You, that's why you brought prayer. You brought all these things, all these, all these ministries, all these, you know, services, so that you could come and encourage us. So that when the enemy comes, you can say, "Ah, no, no, it's you. I know it's you." I beg, leave me. You know, you can. You know how to shun him. You, you know, you know how to resist him. You know, the Bible says, "When you resist the devil, he say you will flee." But it's you that gives us the ability to resist him. Is you is when we are filled with the word. When we are filled with the word, we have the ability. We can rise up with, with in annoyance and say, "No, you can't do this. You cannot touch me." So, Father Lord, we just give you praise. Thank you, thank you for giving us, for encouraging us again, yet again, to, for us to believe and trust you, no matter what the situation. To continue to fix our eyes on you, Father Lord, we just give you praise. Thank you, awesome God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.